Lord, your word says you inhabit praises of your people, Lord, and you have to be, because I'm inhabiting the praises of your people. I love hearing our voices sing up as one to you, Lord, and the only reason we are here is because you live. We believe, Lord, that you live, and you died, and in three days you rose from the dead, Lord, and, and you were the firstborn to be raised from the dead, Lord, and that's where our hope is. Our hope is in you. We want to put our trust in you, Lord, to ask our forgiveness and receive your spirit to live life in a, in a way, Lord, that we can be holy, but without holiness, no man shall see you. We want to live your way, Lord, and one day be with you forever and ever in heaven, Lord, make us more like you every single day, Lord, we want to know you. Lord, I ask that you put your hand, your stamp of approval upon this message, Lord, and my words that you'll just take over, Lord, and, and your spirit will be upon them. Because I can I can change no man but you, Lord. You can reach into a heart and you can change a man. You can give him life. You can make old things pass away and all things become new and make people look at a man. And say, what is so different about you? You used to be all about yourself and all about the world and all about pleasure just for yourself and all about money for yourself and all about stuff for yourself. But you don't care about any of that anymore. May that man be able to say, because the Lord Jesus Christ came into my life and he washed me and he cleansed me and he justified me. And I love him, and I want to live for him until I draw my very last breath. May you change somebody's heart like that today, Lord. Enter this place, Lord, and as always, open our eyes so we can see something we've never seen before. Maybe look at something in a way we've never looked at it before. Open our ears so we can hear and understand and hear something in a way that we've never heard it like that before, but it changes us. Open up our minds to give us greater understanding so we may know your word in a deeper way and just deepen that following of you where we can take step by step with you and walk for you and love with you and love you and live for you. Open up our minds so we may know. But most of all, open up our hearts, Lord, so that we leave here a little bit more in love with you than when we came in, Lord. There's no one like you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You might be seated. Always amazing how that crowd increases between the first and the last song. Uh, real, come on. Come to the donut table. Come on. That's where we are now. So, guys, I've been on this little uh, series. I didn't really mean for it to be a series. It was just going to be one really long message. And so I just kind of divided it up into three parts. So, you know, you could kind of come in and Here's 30, 45 minutes settings, and you know, instead of a two and a half hours. Um, so the first week, you know, I talk about freedom. Uh, the sun who sets us free. The sun has set you free. You are free. Indeed. So that was two weeks ago. You can find that online if you're interested in that. And uh, last week, you know, I, uh, I talked about the freedom of choices. You know, that we make your freedom, make your choices. It is not free from the consequences of those choices. We talked about what you do with your body and how you know your body is a temple of the spirit, and are you honoring him with this temple of yours, with this body? 
So to kind of conclude that, I wanted to go to my, my, my third point, which was the freedom of your mind. You know, the freedom that the decision that we have in our minds, to make up our mind and, and do, you know, what we decide to do. And so, you know, I thought about this question, and it's kind of a trick question, but is there anything that God can't do? Y'all scared to answer it one by one. can't say so, uh, you know, of course, you know, my mind, like, of course, there's one thing God can't do. But there are things that God can't do, believe it or not. Titus, chapter 1, verse 2, lets us in on a little bit of a, a clue here. Um, in hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, he can't tell a lie. In him is truth and life. So, oh my goodness, and light. Wow. That was not planned either, wasn't it? No. All right. Oh, uh, that's pretty good. All right. Um, who cannot lie? God cannot tell a lie. And uh, you know, promise, that eternal life is promised you know, before life begins. So you kind of get in a clue. God's not going to lie to you. He can't lie to you. And so there's one thing that I cannot do. And then you can kind of get really goofy. I've had some just really dumb conversations. They're still kind of fun, you know. Well, God, can he make a rock so big that he can't lift it? Well, I don't know. If he really wanted to, maybe he could live in himself. I don't know. You know, you can just get into some really crazy things. But here's one thing that, that when I uh, when I talk to people, you know, sometimes they'll be like, well, you know, how come... You know, God made it, you know, where we can choose. How come he just didn't make this all do right? How come he just didn't make us like he wants? Or why does he give us that kind of freedom? Because here's one thing that I've concluded that I can't really find in the Bible, but I don't believe that God can have love without it being a choice. And, you know, the example I like to give anybody when I'm in that conversation is like my wife. I mean, I love my wife, she loves me, we got this great you know, relationship, but I think, you know, what if maybe when I first saw her and wanted her, that she didn't want me? And then what if somehow somebody came with this love potion number nine type stuff <laughs> and said, if you can just get her to drink this and then look at you, she'll love you from today forward. You know? Now, what do you think I would feel if my relationship was based on that? See? I wouldn't be the same, because I'd always be wondering. She would not desire me had I not manipulated her. And God's the same way. He does not want little robots up here saying, I love you and I do what's right all the time because he's making us. It's got to be a choice for it to be true love. He allows us to choose, accept Him, reject Him, love Him, hate Him, desire Him, desire the things of the world. And He leaves us free to do that. But you cannot have love without love being a free will choice. Therefore, you're free to worship and free to choose. And... The Bible asks us to not be conformed to this world, but transformed by renewing our 
mind. What you put into your mind is a very big deal. What you allow into your mind affects you. You know, I mean, as a teenager, I remember this one little thing when this guy came. He, he basically told me, uh, you know, I don't know, I had one of my rock t-shirts on or something. I said, you kind of told me a little bit of the same thing happened to you. And he basically like, you need to quit listening to that trash. You know, you're filling your mind with that. You'll send you to hell and all that. And I was like, you know, kind of, kind of whatever. And, um, you know, I just still went on doing my own thing, listening. But, but I do remember one day, you know, sitting down it and just blasting some ACDC, you know, highway to hell, just kind of loving it. And, uh, he says, uh, there's a bird, there's a line in there that says, hey, mama, look at me. I'm on my way to the promise land. I'm on a highway to hell. And I just, it just hit my spirit. I'm like, man, I don't want to be on any kind of highway to hell. And, you know, and that, that, was, that was a real big turning point where I thought, you know what, maybe what I allow into my mind affects me more than I, you know, more than I think. And, you know, but, but that wasn't me deciding, well, I can't go here anymore. I think that was God hitting a big red flag in my heart saying, is this really? Is that the promised land you want to go to? You want to be on a highway to hell? No, sir, I do not. I want to be on a highway to heaven. I want to follow you and your ways. And that was a big, big turning point in my life when I started allowing those right things into my mind. And so... Here's what God wants, and this is kind of how I uh, crafted our mission statement. I wish I would uh, actually put this up here. But the mission of Lifeline uh, Community Church is to cultivate a community of believers who pursue God relentlessly. I mean, that's the main thing, that outside of here, you go after God relentlessly through reading His Word, through prayer, through getting along with Him. But we want to cultivate a community of believers where that's the main thing. Each person is not waiting until Sunday to come up and learn a little bit about the Bible. They are pursuing Him daily and relentlessly, pursuing God. And then, if you pursue Him, love God wholeheartedly. Put your whole heart into loving Him because you found, you found out that He is good. And then you serve God. And I don't remember what my word was. I might have it up. Have it backwards, but uh, you serve him. You know, with, with, with your whole heart, you serve him. And so I was looking at this. Here's what God wants to pursue him. Look at Psalm chapter 34, verse 8. A person can't be convinced of God's goodness. They can hear somebody talk about God and what they've done in their own mind, follow on it, may sound good, it may be entertaining. But until a person does this, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. And that's how you do it. That's how you taste and say, that's how you figure out that God is good. That's how you experience him for yourself and have an encounter that nobody else can touch. Because honestly, if I taught you in to being saved and saying some prayer, well, some guy on the opposite side smarter than me can probably talk you out of it. You know, in the same way, if somebody talks you out of it, it's really smart. If some smart preacher might can talk you back into it. But you don't want man to convince you that God is good. You want to taste for yourself and experience Him by putting your trust in Him and pursuing Him and doing what He asks you to do. And you'll have an experience no man can take away. 
I don't care what you say about how false you think this is or how wrong you think religion is. I have experienced him for myself, and you will never be able to take away what he and I have. Pursue him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. How do you do it? Trust in him. Here's always the way I talk to new believers. I ask them, I give them a blank sheet of paper. I say, if God asked you to do three things right now, what would he ask you to do? And they're very easily able to put those two or three things, and they're all doable. You know, he needs, they wants me to wash my mouth, you know, I need to quit cussing, I need to treat my mom better, I need to start working harder at school. I need, you know, they say all that. I said, well, then start there. If that's what you feel God is asking you to do, to start your walk with Him, do it. Trust in Him. And if the person will do that, it does not take long where they taste and they see, man, He is good. He was good all along. He just wanted the best for me. Man, this is like, God wants you to love Him back. And everybody knows John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. He gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. He loved us so much he gave his own kid, his own son, and died on the cross for us. He wants us to love him back. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. Jesus said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. Put your heart into this. You know, I want to get to the service early and prepare my heart and pray to the Lord. Will you bless this place? Will you prepare me to hear your word? You know, love put your heart into it. Don't just say, well, I bought a devotional. I'll try to read one every day. No. You put your heart into it. Say, God, listen, I've carved out 20, 30 minutes, an hour, just me. And you, you've got my attention. You've got my whole heart. I think about those things I used to put my heart into. I used to put my heart into playing that guitar. Man, it was like all I wanted to do as soon as I could get along with it. Man, I was just playing that thing. And I loved it. I loved listening to my hero, like Steve Ray Mine, and trying to copy that stuff. I had my whole heart. God had none of my heart. This to me was boring. This was hard. This was difficult. This was too out of reach. You know, it was for preachers. It wasn't for people like me. But man, when I started tasting and seeing, man, listen, this stuff tells me some pretty simple stuff he wants me to do. And if I do it, man, I figure out he's good. He wants the best for me. Put your heart into it. It makes me want to put my heart into this preacher. Want to put my heart into spending time with him. And all your soul. So we are. Three parts. We are mind, body, and soul. The spirit, the soul inside of us that will spend eternity somewhere. We think these 70, 80 years on earth is, is like such a long time, but we're talking eternity. And you know what? When I go to these funerals and I see the body laying there, it's like, man, this is just a shell. Where is their soul? And it makes you reflect on eternity. You love Him with your souls. Say, God, listen, this is the part of me that's going to be with you forever. You know, I want to love you with my soul. I want to entrust you with my soul. 
So Lord, when I stand before you, you don't say, depart from me, I never knew you. You say, well done, my good, faithful servant. May your soul fall in love with the King of Kings, the only one that can take care of it. And with all your mind. This is the hard part, but it's also the easiest part. You can choose what you allow into your mind. This is where you choose. I got a choice. Should I go play my video games for a couple of hours? Or maybe should I start out by spending 30 minutes with him? And putting and trusting him with my soul. Should I sit down and crank through channels and watch TV? Or maybe should I pause and spend a little time with him? This is how you worship with your mind. You choose. You make choices that fill your mind with the things of him. And then you serve him. Psalm 100, verse 1 and 2. I love these verses. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing, but serve him with gladness. Guys, we have volunteers that keep this thing going. This is hard work setting up and tearing down week after week after week. And we have people that come in and do the same thing and they serve the Lord. And I watch them. They do it with gladness. We want no servants coming in because something needs to be done or maybe it has to be done. And if you're fulfilling that need, we do appreciate you. But serve the Lord with gladness. And I realize that as a preacher, you know, you're like, well, that's kind of your job. You're not going to pay you for and all that. But guys, listen, I volunteer too. I mean, I'm playing way more guitar than, than I need to be. I mean, I need to be out here kind of talking with you guys and talking with visitors, you know, um, you know, kind of making some mistakes, you know, not catching some visitors and seeing the right people. And you know, maybe it makes me a little disconnected, but and I love to serve the Lord through playing the guitar, playing music, and yes, it takes away from my family, yes, I have to live, and yes, it's a sacrifice, but I'm not going to do it out of obligation, I'm going to do it with gladness, I don't have very many weeks to serve the Lord, I mean, you don't have that many, I mean, if I get 40 years, I mean, 50 times 40 years, you don't have that many opportunities to serve Him. So I want to make the most of each opportunity. And guys, we have ministries that need people. And we'd love for you to feel it. If the Lord tells you to do something, for you to feel it with gladness, for you to do it out of love for Him. Can you think about what, if that's what God wants, God wants you to pursue Him, love Him, serve Him. What does Satan want? And he wants you to fulfill all these spiritual desires apart from his plan. Don't pursue him. Do anything else. It doesn't have to be evil. Just go watch TV all day. Play games all day. Do something all day. But do not pursue him. Do not spend time with him. He don't care how you do it. It can be good things. He just don't want you to do God things. He doesn't want you to love him back. He doesn't want you to fill your mind 
with the, he don't want you to worship him with all your mind and feed your mind with his Bible. Listen to audio tapes, listen to sermons, read books that honor him. He don't want any of that. Don't worship him with your mind. Fill it with anything else. It can even be a good thing that will self-help and make you a better person. Just don't let it be a God thing. He don't want you to serve God. He don't want you in here serving. He don't want you focusing on you and your family. And make it, listen, you've got other things that are more important. You can't go in there and serve God. You can't do that. He don't got Satan don't care. Just don't serve him. You focus on you, on what you need. I mean, he wants the opposite of what God wants. And here's kind of our problem. Here's where religion will hook us up. You know, my mathematician Blaise Pascal wrote this theological statement, and I, and I, and I love this. He said, God created man in his image, and man turned around and returned the favor. We created God in our image. We create a God, which is idolatry, by the way. We think, well, he likes this, and he likes this, and he don't like this, and we pick and choose, and we just make our own God that we feel comfortable serving so we can go through life and do life the way we want to instead of the way he wants us to. God made us in his image, and then we turn around and return the favor. You know, if I'm, if I'm okay or if I can do it, yeah, I'll do that. If it benefits me, yes, I'll do that. I don't know if you picked on this, but I have... Such a problem with the American version of Christianity. What is in it for me? If it benefits me, yes, I'm all in. But if it's about other people and self-sacrifice, forget that. You know, I don't want any of that. So, who's, which God do you serve? The one that you're comfortable serving and you're making all the decisions or this God? The one who's going to require some self-sacrifice. Who's going to require you to be step out of your comfort zone. It's not easy. And so as we transition, guys, I actually titled the, uh, this sermon, uh, Freedom, the Blood that Sets Us Free. So that way Brian used to use the title screen and he'd make, you know, be, be bad. <laughs> make him do all that and not get to show it. Freedom. The blood is such a free. And I set up communion here, guys. Uh, cool little kind of side note. I was making the bread yesterday. I mean, I meant to do it all day. Like, it's 11 o'clock, and I just got the kids back on my I forgot to do the bread. So I went in there, and I made, I was making the bread, the unleavened bread. And I was just thinking while I was making it, I said, Lord, uh, I said, you know, what's the big deal with the yeast? You know, I said, is it really that big of a deal if it's got yeast and it's risen and it's and all that stuff, you know, which the process happens longer if you do that. But God, you know, just kind of, kind of in God's way, He's like, You think it was about the yeast? And I'm like, Well, I guess, you know, I don't know now since you're talking to me like this. He said, It was about the time. He said, Listen, death was coming. And the Passover lamb, for, you know, was, the, was what saved the firstborn. The blood of the lamb saved the firstborn. And the reason they had to make it was they had to make it fast. Today was the day of salvation. You make it, you get what you need, and you get out. 
And I thought about that, you know, for today. You know, we all always hear people, well, you know, maybe down the road I'll give my life to the Lord. Maybe, maybe down the road you don't have time for that. You don't have time for the yeast of whatever you think will rise and steal and puff you up. You don't have time for that. Today is the day of salvation. So leading up to this, I thought I'd just give you a little brief history of the blood of the Lamb. Because I think this is so cool. Genesis chapter 3. Verse 21. Also for Adam and his wife. Uh, Alright. For Adam and his wife, the Lord God made the tunics of skin and clothed them. Now, we don't know what animal that, that God used, but Adam and Eve had just disobeyed him. They had just sinned. And they tried to cover themselves up. The first religion ever was they tried to cover themselves up leaves. And they still felt shame. And God comes along and says, no, leaves will not get it done. You can't by your own efforts cover yourself. Let me show you what it requires. And he takes the, an animal, maybe a lamb, maybe a goat, I don't know what the animal was. But I do know Adam and Eve had to watch. God himself slaughtered an innocent animal. And they had to watch death for the first time, and blood poured out for the first time, and God made animal skins and covered Adam and covered Eve. It was one sacrifice for one person, one for Adam, one for Eve. In Exodus chapter 12, verse 21, then Moses called for the elders of Israel and said to them, Pick out and take lambs for yourselves. According to your families, kill the Passover lamb. So when you get on to them about to escape Egypt, the slavery of Egypt, he says, I want you to pick out one lamb per family. So if it were me, you know, me, Tanya, Jameson, Caroline, you know, maybe my mom and dad, you know, our, our immediate family, you know, you've been right here, Dave and them right here, his mom and dad would make a come, and we would sacrifice a lamb, and it would cover our family. So we graduate from a, a, a skin per person to a lamb per family. And as you move on to left, left Leviticus chapter 16, verse 21, Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat. So here's another innocent animal. Confess over it all the iniquities of the children of Israel. So we've graduated to an entire race of people. The priest comes up here, puts his hand, and he lays it on the hands and all the transgressions concerning all their sins, putting them on the head of the goat, and shall send him away into the wilderness by the hand of a suitable man. So it was one Sacrifice for an entire race of people, the Jewish people, the Israelites. And you move on. What a cool verse. John chapter 1, verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of one person, one family, one race of people, no. The sin of the whole world. What a time we live in where we get to live where 
Jesus Christ himself came and spilled his own blood so that any person, American, Japanese, Chinese, Mexican, it doesn't, it doesn't matter, wherever, that they can call on the name of Jesus and he can be saved because he was the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the whole world. So when we read Revelation chapter 1, verse 5, how awesome is this? And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the firstborn, the only person to do that, to raise himself on his own, and the ruler over the kings of the earth. And I know it does not look like he rules and reigns in our dark world where it seems like all of our leaders are making decisions to harm us and not to help us. He, they're not our kings. He's the king over the whole earth. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Not just innocent animals. His own. He came and he did it. That's the blood that sets us free that we have our trust in. Don't you, doesn't that make you just fall in love with him even more and want to thank him and honor him with your life? So as we prepare to take the supper, I love taking the Lord's supper. And something in me wants to do it more, and I, and I would love to do it more, but it's such a serious thing that I think you've just got to make the biggest deal of because it is a great thing. But it's also a dangerous thing. And I want to talk about the danger first. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27 and 28. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks from this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. So he gives us a little bit of warning and saying, you know what? This is not just something you do, come and just do right quick to make you know, make yourself feel better about the Lord. This is something you take seriously. Therefore, let a man examine himself, and let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So, Nate, if you can kind of just get us some music started, I should have warned you a little bit on this. Oh, uh, I want you to examine your hearts right now. And, guys, the, the altar's going to be open. You can do it right there in your seat. Uh, but I'm going to hop down here, I'm going to kneel down, and I'm going to pray. I'm going to examine my own heart. I do not want to take of this supper in an unworthy manner. So as he plays a little bit of music, he's going to invite you for a little bit. If you want to come down here and join me, just to examine your heart. Maybe say, you know what, Lord? Hey, I'm not living for you like I should. You help me make that step towards you today. I want to live for you. I want to desire you. You help me. You forgive me. And you trust that that blood sets you free and forgives you. Whatever your need is, you need this altar. Come on down. We can pray right there. With every head bowed, every, every eye closed, and everybody's in.